Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. I'm Lindsey Goff. Jake Wallace has the week off to spend some time at home with his family for the holidays. So it's just me today. I'm recording this on Sunday night, what would have been Selection Sunday for the college football playoffs, and we'll get to that. But first, I want to start with Georgia Southern. Now, they didn't find out their bowl destination on Sunday. They found it out about a week ago, um, and they have a chance to give Eagle Nation an early Christmas present, a bowl win against Louisiana Tech on December 23rd. Now, Southern is beat up. Redshirt senior quarterback Shy Wirtz has been nursing a shoulder injury he got in the Army game. He was out for the final two regular season games. His backup, sophomore Justin Tomlin, left the App State game with an ankle injury. Uh, He's since had surgery, so that's going to end his season. We, of course, wish him a very speedy recovery. Head coach Chad Lunsford said that Wirtz is taking reps in practice this week, and in what could be his final game in blue and white, it's possible that he could be back under center. Uh, Yeah, Shai's a warrior. If he he wants to get on the field, we're going to find a way. Um, And... You know, if, if it's one play, if it's a bunch of plays, I don't know if, if he wants to do it, if, uh, if he feels like his body can do it. Obviously, we're not going to put him in a situation where his health is at stake or anything like that. So, um, but, you know, Shai's a warrior, has done a lot for this program, and uh, definitely would uh, want to reward him with that if we could. Lunsford also said that third-string quarterback Miller Mosley has been taking reps in practice this week as well, and we could possibly even see freshman quarterback Sam Kennerson if Wirtz is not good to go. They've even experimented with sophomore wide receiver Caleb Hood in the Wildcat offense. Uh, I went to Kentucky. We love the Wildcat offense, not just because that is our mascot, so I am in full support of Wildcat offense for Georgia Southern on the 23rd. I would like to see it. The New Orleans Bowl is played at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, which can hold about 75,000 fans. But due to COVID restrictions, only 3,000 fans are going to be in attendance tops. This marks Southern's third trip to Louisiana this season. And while this bowl is not going to look like years past, the Eagles say that they are locked in and ready to bring the energy with or without a crowd. Anytime we get a chance to play, we're ready to play. Uh, Especially with this team, we can do it one more time in the bowl game and get a chance to win a ring. It's nothing better right now. I mean, 3,000 fans in the Dome might get loud. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, we have to. We obviously have to be prepared to bring our own energy. Um, we, we can't rely on, you know, the, the energy of the crowd because that may not be there. Uh, but I don't think our, our guys have come, come correct every game this year, um, and, and they've come with the right mindset. Um, you know, we haven't always won, but we've always, we've always come right. So I'm not really concerned about our guys getting up for the atmosphere. Now on Friday, Lunsford and a couple of players had their virtual Zoom press conference to preview the bowl game. Here's a little bit about what they said about facing Louisiana Tech coming up this week. They're a pretty good team, you know, as usual, as every other team is. Uh, we're going to go into this game treating it just like we would any other. You know, we're ready to uh, establish the run as usual. We're ready to play as hard as we can and uh, put on the best show for our fans. Uh, and our seniors, so we can send them out the right way. Uh, Louisiana Tech, they definitely uh, throw a lot. They have some really good skill guys, zero and five. Um, five is really their main guy. You know, there are some quick, agile guys that can do a lot of stuff in space. Uh, they do a couple things in the run game as well. Um, they do dart, which is something that we haven't seen this season. And uh, they have some really big alignments. So, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a challenge having to get out there and play the spread, but we also got to get some pressure on the quarterback as well. Uh, I know everybody was talking about how 
the uh, quarterback got hurt for them when they played T- TCU, but uh, number three has also played a lot of games and started a couple games too. So it's not like we have someone who doesn't know what they're doing back there. So we're definitely not going to uh, discredit him. Well, just uh, watching their offense, you know, it, it kind of looked like they can be a high-tempo team. Um, you know, their running back has really come on the last four games that they've played. Um, you know, again, their quarterback got hurt, but the guy that is uh, coming in, um, you know, he's gotten a significant amount of snaps this year. And, um, you know, they're heavy, you know, um, screen team, uh, up-tempo team. Uh, they do like to throw the ball. Uh, they will run the ball, but they're more of a passing team, quick pass game, you know, uh, but very efficient in doing it. Uh, defensively, um, you know, they like to jump in multiple fronts. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of um, – film where we can sit there and say, hey, this is what they're going to do against the option. Uh, but they've shown to be a very base defense, but jump in and out of fronts. Uh, not a heavy blitz team, so we really don't expect that. Um, and then in the in the secondary, playing a lot more zone than man. Um, and, you know, just when, when you look at them, I mean, they're obviously good players, uh, very athletic. Um, and, you know, for any team to, you know, be going into it with a 6-0 bowl winning streak, uh, going into seven straight and the opportunity to win seven in a row, longest streak in the country, um, you know, you got to have a lot of respect for that team. We also were able to hear from Louisiana Tech head coach Skip Holtz on the matchup. Certainly going to be a challenge, um, you know, putting on a little bit of their defense this morning as well. I mean, their defense is a little bit unique, and they are they're very aggressive. I mean, there's a lot of ways to play a three-down front, and you can play it in drop eight, or you can play it and be really aggressive, and they certainly give you some problems on that side of the ball as well. So I think it's got an opportunity to be a great matchup, but it's certainly going to be great, a great challenge for our staff and our football team to get ready for this, for this team. And as you said, it's not the three-week preparation you normally have for a bowl game. It's almost just like a long week, and so I'm glad we have those couple extra days. And making his very first appearance on the WTOC Sports Podcast, we have our resident Georgia Southern graduate fan enthusiast, uh, Dal Kennedy. Dal, thanks for talking with us today. Hey, my pleasure, my pleasure. So um, you've covered a game for us this season. You've been to a couple as a fan. Um, heading into bowl week, it's different. What's What's the mood around Statesboro since you're there? You've kind of got your pul- or your finger on the pulse. Well, I, th- I think it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's measured with everything that's come into 2020. I think there's an excitement. I think just at the base of it, there's, there's almost a sigh of relief. We played 12 games. We played a full schedule. Um, you know, there's that, that feeling that, you know, as, as, a, as a program, Georgia Southern football dealt with everything and ran the gauntlet, so to speak, to get 12 games in when, you know, we've got teams that have played how many? Yeah, you can count them on your fingers. You know, Georgia Southern's got more games than they've got fingers, so there's not a lot of teams. So I think there's a feeling of accomplishment with that going to a bowl. Um, I, I think – Maybe, there, maybe there's not the, the frenzy that there's been in years past because, you know, you've got fewer fans go, that are able to go. Three Was it? 3,000, yeah. 3,000 total. In the Superdome? Total, yeah, and, and it holds yeah. like 75,000. I mean, even Eagle Nation can, you know, can get loud and rowdy, but that's going to sound like a cricket clapping underneath a pillow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be 
Um, you know, I think there's a little bit of a measure of like, you know, hey, look, we're going to another bowl game, and that's a that's a feeling of accomplishment. But the frenzy excitement, maybe there's not so much of that just because it's been such a strange season. And, and you know, when you finish with a couple of losses, I think there's a little bit of a measure that, that maybe you feel like you're backing into a bowl game. I, th- I think I agree with you, and I get that sense as well. Um, just as a fan and as somebody who follows the team closely, what what sticks out to you about this season? Because it seems like at times maybe the offense had a hard time getting going. Um, or, you know, in the red zone, sometimes they had to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. They now have to hire an offensive coordinator. Um, so where are you kind of at? How do you assess this year? Twenty twenty. You know, when you, th- when you think about roster of, of players that were either, um, you know, injured um, in COVID protocol, maybe uh, in trouble, you know, with local law enforcement, um, I, I think it's been kind of just survive in advance. You know, who do we have this week and, and seeing who's on the roster and then, you know, with with Coach DeBess being let go on the offense and Coach Ro- Coach Roos coming in, um, I, I think there's a little bit of like, can you imagine if we had everything at the right at the same time? You know, we've we've played with this and this, but not this. We've played with this and this and not this. Like, just imagine what if? I think I think that's probably the thing. It's kind of a what if? Like, we're going to a bowl game, but hey, man, what if? of players under this coach in in the ideal circumstances this is their fifth program bowl game their third straight Um, and i think louisiana tech is an interesting matchup for georgia southern and they're both coming off of um losses in the end of the regular season so um both of them going to really be fighting i think to uh end the year on a high note um how does this bowl kind of stack up to you well, it, typically, this bowl has traditionally been um, reserved for the Sun Belt Conference champion. And I think when Georgia Southern first came into the into the uh, Sun Belt Conference, it was traditionally Lafayette uh, going, and maybe Arkansas. It was sort of seen as their bowl, um, and now with a bowl comp game, which we didn't get yesterday, um, I think the status of New Orleans Bowl has sort of shifted a little bit. And I think, you know, of course, you know, down there, it's it's in the shadow of the Sugar Bowl. You know, yes, they're played in the same place, but big difference. It's the title. And so I think, <laughs> oh, it's like, hey, let's see what this is. You know, we're not used to going to New Orleans. Um, you know, fans that are used to playing Mobile, uh, Montgomery, you know, going going to uh, Orlando last year. Um, I think I think it's it, it's sort of a new thing. Hey, we're going to New Orleans. You know, Eagle Nation. What you know, however many can be allowed to go in, in French Quarter and Bourbon. It could be interesting. <laughs> See if uh, you, you know, data I, signs I, they, on Bourbon Street. Let me tell you. I mean, you know, you there, there's some tailgating folks that uh, they might not make it to the game. They may still be on Bourbon Street in the third <laughs> quarter. But, um, they, you know, 
it was interesting the first bowl game when when uh, Georgia Southern played in Mobile, and I think the Mobile Chamber of Commerce saw exactly how Eagle Nation travels. They might still, you know, put New Orleans up and take notice of like, hey, we had a group in here. They they uh they came down small number but feisty in uh, in spirit. Yeah, could pay off in the future maybe on future bowl bids um, when hopefully we're COVID free. <laughs> knock on let me knock on wood right in front of you but that, yeah. no, that's definitely something you know nobody I think I think football purists want to think about it that it's that's the right strength of schedule and everything else it, there is a whole lot of it comes down to how many tickets does this team sell? money it's a business who travels to quote the great Sopran, Tony Soprano we're trying to run a business here um, <laughs> that's not the first mafia joke I've heard about the uh, p5 and the bowl <laughs> I'm not going to say any more. Speaking um, of which, yeah. do you have uh, thoughts on Coastal that you would like to share? Uh, you know, bless them. Um, you know, the, bl the blue and white from behind me that speaks up and says, you know, your first year and, and you know, you hear a lot. Um, you know, as, as a Georgia Southern fan, I'm not sure who I would pull for between Coastal and Lafayette. Um, but – you know, you hate, you hate to see a game set up and a game that could have brought the, the conference a lot of attention yesterday and a lot of notoriety and sort of gotten them into that mix of, you know, the G5s trying to find a spot in 2020 with, with some of the P5s struggling and playing fewer games and things like that. So you hate – it's kind of a missed opportunity. Um, but, you know, to see where they go, you know, you have to – the, the conference and hope they win. Um, it was interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but you talk about bulletin board material. It was, it was either um, Louisiana Tech's uh, coach or their AD uh, nonplussed at the idea of playing a Sunbelt school at all, let alone Georgia Southern. And then to see on Twitter afterwards, you know, you saw, you saw apps, app state fans and coastal fans were like, Okay, you just did the impossible. I'm now pulling for Georgia Southern to beat you. <laughs> so it's like you know, you you know where has frozen over the app fan. You know, some of the app fans yeah. are pulling for Georgia Southern to to quiet down Louisiana Tech in this uh, in this little game. You just you want to see um, a team sort of get some momentum back, you know. And and some of that I think started with the bowl game last year. You know, to go into you know playing Liberty. And, and come up short and, and just sort of play the whole game like they were just a step behind. And uh, I think some of the dissatisfaction, you know, with fence and looking at the, at the coaching staff, I think that started um, in that game, in that bowl game, and, and sort of held on through the year. And then, uh, you know, when Coach Lunsford made the uh, change at offensive coordinator, I think there, there were a lot of people that were, you know, that were glad to see that. Um, and, you know, you just wonder if, what you can put in place just this late in the season and maybe this extra week of practice, a down game, you know, a, a, an off week on Saturday yesterday gives them the chance to sort of put the pieces in, in place to uh, go into that game with a good offense. Miller Mosley, the third-string quarterback. Um, I'm actually working on a story on him. So he was done with football after last year at Wofford. He wasn't going to yeah. play anymore. And then uh, COVID wound up. He was going to take a job in medical cells. Obviously, 
um, elective procedures ceased, so they weren't going to hire him. So he's like, well, mm-hmm. I guess I'll go play another year of football, you know, stay in school. That's how he wound up at Georgia Southern. And, I mean, we hadn't heard a lot about him because it was all about Dustin Tomlin and Shy Words. I think a lot of people are – Does he like, get <laughs> – does he get free beer – for life in Statesboro if he can take them to New Orleans and come with, come back with a bowl win as a third string? There, there, there are lots of posts I've seen. It's now Miller time um, <laughs> because of him. You know, you think about it, it, a lot of people didn't know who he was. He comes in the game and a lot of people were like, ooh, or, you know, doing the Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. But look at where he played. And and if you're, if you're a Southern fan for any amount of time, the Wofford Terriers – are are part of Georgia Southern, you know, years ago in the Southern Conference, and they were Southern and the service academies, they ran the option as well as anybody in in college football. And so if he came from that tree, you know, the thought is he, he can manage the game. Does he have, you know, shy speed? Does does he have that that turn up gear to get, you know, get down the field? Maybe not. But we think about a few years ago, um, Georgia Southern brought in Jay Bo Shaw from Georgia Tech. When when Jeff Munkin came in, they brought Jay Bo Shaw, and everybody was like, "He's the third string quarterback at Georgia <laughs> Tech. What what's he going to do? How's he? He's he going to run the option? And you know, was Jay Bo the fastest guy on the field? No, but he was like he was like a coach on the field because he could get people in the right spot. He could right. read the defense. He knew when to make the pitch. And when to take it and get, you know, his small amount of yards but not lose any. So the question is going to be, can he kind of get this system under his belt and and get the timing? Because it's all about timing between quarterback and his running backs to be able to make that pitch, get it to the outside, the read and know when to, when to keep it yourself or when to pitch it out. Um, if he can just get some timing and get kind of that sixth sense between him and the running backs, he could be effective because – he's been in this system before I think be a heck of a story if he ends his football career for the second time uh on a bowl win you know playing just one half of football (laughs) this season uh oh yeah it'll be interesting to watch for sure and um you know I think he has at least leadership experience as a sixth year he's got that maturity so definitely can't hurt things at least uh on the offensive front no, and and it's funny, you know, a lot of our old, our old rivals up in Spartanburg. If if uh, if we get a win and end the season on a good note, they're going to be like, eh, "You're welcome, thanks a lot." <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, well, I guess we got to thank COVID for that. Otherwise, he'd be selling medical equipment right now. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's an interesting story. A weird year. Um, all right, Dale. Anything else you want to leave us with before we hop off? No, I think, you know, it's, it's just been one of those years that, that you just sort of, to borrow the old expression from March Madness, survive in advance. And, and to have played 12 games and to have players in the health that they are. You know, injuries, yes, injuries happen in college football, but to have the health of a team sort of hold up through all those weeks, you have to, you know, you have to appreciate what those guys have done the sacrifices, um, you know, staying in the bubble, doing what they need to do, um, staying safe. Um, you just, you know, you have to appreciate all the steps and layers of protocol and everything that they have done 
to get through 12 games, and even when games were canceled, coming up and finding somebody that will play you, you know, on the fly. Um, yeah. You know, maybe not necessarily Coastal and Brigham Young on the fly, but, you know, <laughs> within, a, within a little bit of notice. But to play 12 games in 2020 is an accomplishment, and to have a bowl game uh, a few days away, not everybody can say they did that. All right, that's our Bureau Chief, Dow Kennedy. Dow, thanks for being on the WTSC Sports Pod. We'll have to get you back on soon. Um, and uh, have a Merry Christmas to you and your family. You too. Take care. Merry Christmas. Thanks. The New Orleans Bowl, December 23rd. Kickoff is at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll recap it here for you on WTOC, of course. And um, the ESPN matchup predictor is giving Georgia Southern a 58.1% chance to win it. Uh, take that as you will. Now, I mentioned it was Selection Sunday for the college football playoffs. Now, who is in, you might ask, if you've been under a rock and you don't know already. Field is set, 11-0, Alabama in at number one, 10-1, Clemson, number two, Ohio State in at number three. They played just six games, but they are undefeated. And the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame in at number four. Of course, both of those games will be played on New Year's Day. So let's deep dive into our regional team out of that bunch, the Clemson Tigers. They're fresh off an impressive ACC championship win. Uh, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, 25 of 36 for 322 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He also added 90 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Uh, to top Notre Dame in that ACC championship. At the time, Clemson was number three. Notre Dame was number two. That flip-flopped after the ACC championship. Um, Lawrence was sidelined for that regular season matchup due to COVID-19. And uh, it's clear that Clemson is very, very, very good regardless of who is under center. But they are lethal with Trevor Lawrence. Um, what's interesting is that we could get that matchup for a third time if somehow Notre Dame were to upset Alabama. So uh, look out for that. So the Tigers and the Buckeyes are going to play in the Superdome, just like Georgia Southern. And it's the same rule, just 3,000 fans in attendance for that one. Here's Tigers head coach Dabo Sweeney after the announcement, uh, previewing the matchup. Yeah, well, we're super excited uh, to, you know, uh, be coming back that way. And, and uh, you know, to have a chance to be in the playoffs is, is, a, is a very uh, special opportunity for our team you know it's 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 an incredible opportunity any year but especially this year you know all that has transpired and you know what all these guys have had to to do to uh to get to this point uh so just really happy for them uh we had an amazing uh game in the acc championship game which has given us this opportunity knew we had to win the game and uh, just really proud of them and uh, we look forward to competing against the a great Ohio State team. We all know how uh, talented they are, uh, how well coached they are. Got a lot of respect for for Ryan Day and, and Ohio State. Uh, you know, but this is uh, you know really just a uh, a great opportunity. And again, you know, unusual circumstances <laughs> for everyone for sure. It's not not a typical bowl type of deal. And usually we've got lots of time to prep, but it's really like an open date. You know, we play in in twelve days, so we got a lot of work to do. Uh, but we're we're excited about the uh, the challenge and, and opportunity. 
The All-State Sugar Bowl kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern on New Year's Day. Georgia coming in the final rankings at number nine. They'll face an undefeated number eight Cincinnati team in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. That's also one of the New Year's six bowls. The game is played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, so just a short road trip for Dogs fans. Now, Georgia's season finale against Vanderbilt was canceled, so the Bulldogs have not played a game since December 12th. Head coach Kirby Smart said his team is fired up to get to finish the year against a tough opponent. I've got the great fortune uh, in the early stages a long time ago to get to play in that bowl game as a player, and uh, Gary has taken um, that bowl game to new heights, um, and it's in a different place than we played in it. We played in it. It wasn't near as prestigious as it is now, and I know our guys are excited uh, to get another opportunity to play. You know, we got this last one taken away from us, so uh, our opportunity to play another game against a top-ten opponent Fires us up. I've got a lot of respect for Luke. I always have. I followed his coaching career. Um, he's done a tremendous job. Uh, shared a lot of stories about him with Urban Meyer, who's, who said a lot of great things about Luke. And uh, he's been a tremendous coach and somebody that uh, I got a lot of respect for. Their program's done a tremendous job. I was just uh, meeting and speaking to our team. And, you know, since 2018, uh, their record is one of the top five in all of college football. And uh, that immediately grabs the attention of our players because we like we've had a good program over the last uh, three to four years as well. So the history of both programs speaks for itself, and both teams will be fired up to get an opportunity to play on uh, January 1st. And Cincinnati undefeated coming in at number eight. Uh, here's their head coach, Luke Fickle, on facing the Dogs. I, too, uh, am really excited. I think our team will be. We haven't had an opportunity to actually get together with them. That'll be tomorrow. Uh, obviously Kirby and them have already had a chance to, you know, to get together, maybe even you know, talk a little bit about the bowl. Um, as for us, it was a late night last night, finishing up, um, a tough win. And, uh, you know, so today we're kind of trying to settle in here to figure out what it is we're doing, but I know our guys are incredibly excited. Um, make sure, and everybody understands there, there is no disappointment over here. We, we are incredibly, uh, ex happy, excited, um, to be where we are right now, to have a championship, but now to have an incredible challenge uh, with obviously the Georgia Bulldogs and, and Coach Smart. I have not. I've been fortunate enough to play in a lot of bowl games and, and then coaching a bunch of bowl games. Uh, this is one that I've never had an opportunity to be uh, a part of. And uh, so I'm excited. I, I got a little concerned, though, when you said the 25% and they're going to be in groups of two or three. I got a family of, of a, quite a bit more. Uh, I got six kids. I'm not sure my wife's going to be real excited if I have to separate them. So I'm sure we can work some of those things out. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I know our, our kids are excited. Our families are going to be really excited um, to actually be able to go and, and uh, to enjoy an atmosphere, um, not to mention an incredible team that we're playing from the SEC. Um, but I know this, that our kids are, are really going to be fired up and, and know that this is an incredible challenge for us and our entire program. The Peach Bowl has announced that they'll have 25% capacity inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is about 18,000 people. Masks will be required. Now, how about this? Despite just having two wins this season, South Carolina is heading to a bowl game. They got a bid to the Gasparilla Bowl on December 26th against the UAB Blazers. Uh, kickoff for that one at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa is set for noon. The Gamecocks will be led by interim head coach Mike Bobo, who led them through the end of the season after Will Muschamp was fired. But their newly head coach, their newly hired head coach Shane Beamer, will be with the team as they go through preparations.
Now, South Carolina will have their entire staff with them, or they're expected to, for the bowl game, except Eric Wolford, who has been hired as the offensive line coach at the University of Kentucky. Uh, sorry, guys, so they'll be missing an OL coach for that game, but um, everybody else should still be there. Here's Mike Bobo on the bowl bid. You know, I think it's good that we're going to play a game this Saturday. You know, we'll get these practices in, and we're going to go down there and compete. Uh, it's another opportunity to compete. It's like I told her tonight, the season has not – you know, been at all what we expected. It's been a very, very disappointing 2020, but guess what? We have another opportunity uh, to put our name on something, and our name's going to be on the Gasparilla Bowl, and, you know, if we've got that opportunity, let's make sure we put our best foot forward. Now, a bright spot for the Gamecocks this season, sophomore running back Kevin Harris. He was named the 2020 Southeastern Conference regular season rushing leader this weekend. The Gamecocks star rushed for 1,138 yards in 10 games on 185 attempts, netting 15 touchdowns for Carolina. Uh, he's 5'10", 225 pounds. He also had 21 receptions for 159 yards and one touchdown on the ground. So check this out. According to his bio on the South Carolina Athletics website, it says, quote, sophomore running back who will compete for carries following the graduation of three seniors. Bowling ball style of runner who is tough to bring down. Uh, he certainly did compete. He's, he was expected to battle for that backup position, but when starter Marshawn Lloyd went down with an injury, well, uh, Harris definitely stepped up. On December 5th, Harris made Gamecock history at Kentucky. He became just the ninth player in program history to rush for 1,000 yards in a single season. Keep in mind, he's only a sophomore. And he became just the third player in program history to have multiple 200-yard games in a career. So he's still got uh, time to get plenty more of those. That joins the likes of George Rogers and Marcus Lattimore. He finished that game in Lexington with 210 yards on 21 carries. Harris is sixth in the country as of December 19th in rushing through all of Division I football. Now, Harris is a Hinesville native and a Bradwell Institute alum. In his South Carolina career, he scored 20 total touchdowns. Against Ole Miss in November, he scored five, going 25 for 243 yards on the ground. Uh, if you'll recall, at Bradwell, he finished his senior season with 1,696 all-purpose yards and 24 touchdowns. Uh, excited to see him play in a bowl game on December 26th. The girls also on the gridiron, too. The Portal Lady Panthers have advanced to the quarterfinal round of the GHSA Flag Football State Championships, uh, the inaugural season for flag football here in Georgia. It was just sanctioned this year, so they'll play Greenbrier in Atlanta on Wednesday at 4.30. Um, that'll be played at the HD backyard of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Again, Wednesday at 4.30. With this being the first year the sport is sanctioned, Portal is in the history books, and they're just trying to take it all in. Tell me first how you became uh, the girls' flag football coach. Well, I, uh, I played a lot of flag football in college, and uh, I just I fell in love with the sport. So when I heard Georgia High School was going to uh, – you know, start this as a sanctioned sport. I just went to the administration and hey, told them, hey, I'll let's start it. I'll coach it, and uh, that's kind of how it got started. How many players do you guys have? I have about thirteen varsity players. Um, so, and a couple. I asked a couple of eighth graders to come out and practice with us, just because you need it's seven on. Yeah. Seven. You really need 14 girls to be able to scrimmage. And I have, we're such a small school, um, you know, we've, we've got like 120 girls in our whole school. So 
you know, I've got several girls in the band, several girls cheerleading, five girls playing basketball. You know, it's just I, I knew at any given day they'd probably be girls missing. So, you know, for other sports. So that's that's the most I could get to come out this year just because of COVID. We had a couple of meetings early on in the year, and I had like 47 girls come to two different meetings each. And uh, but with COVID going on, a lot of parents wouldn't let their kids play, and uh, we wound up with, like I said, 13 you know varsity girls. With these girls doing a balancing act, they're playing other sports, they're playing flag football, also dealing with school in the COVID era. What does that say about this team that they've been able to make it this far? Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, um, you know, we had to finish up. Most of my girls were softball girls, so we had to wait for the softball season to get over before we really even got any practice in. You know, the first game we played Calvary uh, of the season, and I think we might have had one or two practices with the softball girls there. Um, and then during the season, you know, we just try to balance it out so that they can go practice basketball or, or you know, a band or, or um, you know, cheerleading. It's, it's just a balancing act in a small school. I know you guys had some forfeits in the playoffs, right? For football? Yeah. Are you talking about for our flag football? Yeah, for flag football, did you guys have a forfeit? Not yes. you all, but you won by forfeit? Yes. No, actually, we had two. Uh, okay. So, have you played a playoff game yet? Yes. So, the first, okay. the first one. First round, we had a forfeit from Dutchtown. Uh, they said due to various reasons, they didn't have enough players, and COVID being one of those reasons. Second round, we, uh, we went and played Mary Persons, beat them 12-6. to six. Third round, we were supposed to go to Columbus to play Columbus High School, and we got an email from their coach, uh, our athletic director did the day before, saying that uh, their Department of Public Health shut down their, their school and, and quarantined for 14 days. So, you know, out of three rounds, we, uh, we've only had to play one, so we've been, been kind of lucky. I've always said it's better to be lucky than good any day. <laughs> So how many games have you guys been able to play this year, and what's your record looking like? I think, without going back to looking, I think we're five. You can text it to me later if you're not sure. <laughs> I think we're five, one, and one. Okay. Uh, we only had five teams in our region, uh, us, Calvary, Dodge, Effingham, and Richmond Hill. So there was two other Savannah teams supposed to play. I think Windsor and New Hampstead, but with COVID, they wouldn't let them play, so we only have five teams. And uh, so we just played each other once for four games. That's what we decided to do with the region. So we just had four region games. And then if you wanted to play each other again a second time, you could do that. But we kind of just labeled that a JV game so other kids could get a chance to play. So we really only have four region games. With this being the inaugural season, I mean, you guys are going to be part of the record books, playing in the semifinals at the Bins. Uh, coming up, what does that mean to you guys and the team to be a part of this? Like, regardless of what happens, that you've made it to the semis and setting a precedent for girls in the future. Oh, yeah. I don't know that it's really sunk in yet with everybody or myself, even that, you know, we're in the final four of, you know, the high school girls' like football championship. That's a big deal. Um, it's just really exciting. Um, Especially for our school, you know, our school, we don't we don't get a lot of state playoffs at our, our small school. Um, you know, basketball has been very successful. They've been to a couple of Final Fours, and 
we've had uh, back three or four years ago, we had uh, our golf, our girls golf team won two straight state championships. But, you know, as far as state playoffs, you know, softball went this year, I think, in the first round. Um, but we just hadn't had a lot of success at our school at the state playoffs. So to make it to the Final Four is, is you know, it is a big deal for our girls and our school. I heard you guys did some scouting. What's your outlook on the matchup? Uh, well, yeah, since we had a forfeit, I did was able to go to the game against Greenbrier and Dodge County. And, um, you know, that was, that was a close game. I think Greenbrier won 14 to 6 maybe. It was a really close game. Um, so, you know, we should match up well uh, against Greenbrier. They're a much bigger school. They're a 5A school. Um, but, you know, I, I think it should be a good game. I know Calvary's competition, but they've also made it this far on the other side of the bracket. How cool is that to have two teams from right here in South Georgia uh, make it this far? Like, what does that say about the athletic talent that we have? Oh, that, you know, that that's awesome. You know, I talked with uh, athletic director Chad Griffin, and, you know, we'd love to meet up in the in the championship, the two of us. Um, you know, four of the team, all four of the teams from our area, our region, were in the final eight. So that shows you how strong our region is down here for girls like football. But um, yeah, that would be be super special if if Calvary and Portal could meet up for the championship. Who won the last time when you guys played the first game? We tied six six. Okay, so nobody's nobody's beat anybody yet. That's right, and it, that was—I think that was Calvary's. Uh, I don't know if that was their first or second game, but that was our our first game when we played Calvary. So okay, um, I mean, how proud are you of these girls taking this leap and starting a team and starting really the sport here in Georgia? You know, this is going to create opportunities for girls coming through high school in Georgia for years to come. Oh, yeah, I'm extremely proud of these girls. You know, we were, we were the only school in Bullock County to start the sport. Statesboro High, Southeast, Bullock, they didn't start it this year. Um, we did, and uh, we've got a great group of girls. They're, they're good athletes. We don't have many of them, but the ones we do have are, are good athletes. They're competitors. They want to win, and, you know, it is a big deal for them. And, and not only in high school, but this sport is taking off at the collegiate level as well. Um, most, a lot of NAIA colleges are starting sport um you know and matter of fact i've had a, a coach already email me from one of the universities in florida they're coming to, to to watch the final four to see these girls to talk to these girls about playing at the next level and the scholarships that are going to be available so this sport is going to get big in georgia and across the nation at the collegiate level wow that's awesome um and i guess you guys have probably gotten pretty good feedback in the community on it people are rallying behind them. You guys are the Lady Panthers, right? Yes. Okay, uh, okay. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, the community is uh, extremely supportive. Um, you know, we tried to make it special this first year going to state. You know, we had had a big send-off for them at school with the band, and I wanted uh, – we, we got a charter bus for them. We didn't make them ride on the yellow school bus all the way out of town. Um, so we've had a charter bus booked a couple of times. We were taking a charter bus up to Atlanta, the community – right here at Christmas has been outstanding, not only the portal community, but the Statesboro community and businesses donate money to, to uh, we've raised over 30 something hundred dollars for two charter buses to go, go on these uh, uh, contests. So it's just been unbelievable. Now, do you guys have like a playbook? Is there, how do you, 
how does it compare, I guess, to like a traditional football team and how do you guys kind of scheme and call out what you're going to do without oh, yeah. going into too much detail? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've, we've definitely got a playbook. A lot of, lot, of, uh, lot of plays there, you know, short game plays, long, long plays, defense, a lot of different defensive schemes. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot the girls had to learn. I think they were overwhelmed at first, but – you know, we're still relatively young. I mean, we've had two two forfeits in the state playoffs, so we really only played six games. You know, some of, you look at some of the teams out of Atlanta. I'm not sure about Green River that we're playing, but a lot of teams have already played, you know, 10, 11 games this year. You know, we, we've only played six games, so they're still learning. You know, X's and O's, I mean, like, if I look at it, I can understand what I'm looking at, but, like, implementing it when people are, like, running around, that's a whole other ball game. Were they able to, I mean, I know they play other sports, so they're athletic and understand, you know, how it all works, but did they catch on pretty quickly? They did. Um, you know, I had some girls come out, you know, when you're talking scratch, you, you don't know who can catch the ball, who can throw the ball, you know, who can pull a flag, who, you know, who's fast, who's not. So starting from scratch, you know, it was just a lot to determine who was going to play what position, offense, defense, you know. So we started with a few of them in the summer once Georgia High School released us to start doing some conditioning and, and being able to practice a little with, with a few of the girls who wanted to play quarterback. I started there, and then when we were finally able to have tryouts, just – When was this? Like, when were you guys able to get started? Well, we were able sometime in June to start getting okay. together conditioning things, and I had a few girls who were interested in playing quarterback to come out once Georgia High School let us have a, a ball. I don't remember exactly when that was, sometime in late June maybe. And that's when we kind of got started with just a few of the girls who wanted to play quarterback. And, uh, you know, but they, they've caught on. They're still learning. And there was a lot of plays uh, to learn. But, you know, they, they, they've done a good job of learning that. I don't want to be cheesy, but, you know, we've got women coaching now. We've got women moving into front offices and things like that. So I feel like it's a precedent that girls can really do anything that they set their mind to. What is your message to this team? Oh, yes. You know, the, the Falcons, they did a great job in promoting all this, especially last year. They had a pilot league, you know, with the Atlanta schools and the Columbia, Columbia uh, Columbus schools uh, to start, you know, kind of see how this was going to go. And they, they realized that it was just going to go crazy. The girls were going crazy over it. And they did a good job promoting the importance of women now in football, you know, behind the scenes. Um, and just to hear the number of girls talk about it, they never thought they would get the chance to play football. It's, it's just been amazing. You know, it just shows them that anything can happen. And now they're getting a chance to show their skills on a football field and a sanctioned sport. It's just unbelievable. Anything else you want to add or want to say? Mm -hmm. Nothing that I know of. I mean, we're just and ready to ready to get that game started Wednesday. It, it, I, I tell you, it's been a this season. You've just kept your fingers crossed the whole season, especially when the state playoffs got here. I, I've kept my fingers crossed every day that that we don't get quarantined. What happened to Dutchtown? What happened to Columbus? You know, we did have uh, COVID hit portal about a month and a half, two months ago, and I had four girls quarantined for two weeks, three of them being starters. And um, that's when we lost our only game. We lost to Richmond Hill 7 nothing that night. But I have four girls missing. You know, I got – we're a small school, and I've got, like, 
four or five girls playing both ways, offense and defense. We don't have the luxury of some of these schools that are 5A schools and have, you know, 1,200 girls to choose from, and they've got 20 girls on their roster and probably have a separate offense and defense. You know, I've got four or five girls going both ways. So, you know, I'm just – and even till Wednesday, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that I don't get that call, hey, you got such and such players quarantined. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, we wish you luck in Atlanta, and then hopefully you'll get to take another trip up there after – Calvary Day's team also advanced to the semifinals. They also play on the 23rd. They've got the early game, though. They play Northside Columbus at 1.30, and they are just as excited to be there. We didn't know if we were even going to have a season, like any sport, really, but it's just really cool to be able to play and just go this far, so we're really blessed. And some unfortunate news. The uh, Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, or the SIAC, announced on Friday that they are delaying the start to winter and spring sports even further, all the way to March 1st, 2021. The conference said in the release that the decision was made after careful consideration of the health and safety of our student-athletes and staff. Now, those sports include men's and women's basketball, tennis, golf, track and field, baseball, and softball. Uh, originally, Savannah State had announced that basketball would be starting up January 9th, so uh, this is a pretty drastic change, almost two months. What's interesting is, according to the release, each SIAC school can decide to independently participate in non-conference competition and pre-existing contractual obligations, uh, but there's no indication that uh, the Tigers will be participating in any games before March. Team activities, practice and training opportunities, contests against outside competition will be determined and defined by each individual school uh, as long as they're meeting the um, local COVID-related public health requirements and the NCAA core principles. The SIAC did not participate in fall sports, so we haven't got to get out on the marsh for a game in quite some time, and I certainly hope it doesn't get pushed back again because I'm looking forward to covering the Tigers once again. Um, of course, health and safety have to come first, but um, I'll be excited when the SIAC does allow them to play once again. That'll do it for our WTOC Sports Podcast today. We will have coverage on the 23rd of the GHSA Flag Football Semifinal Games along with Georgia Southern's Bowl Game. Uh, we'll be covering the Bowl Games on January 1st, so make sure you're watching uh, tuned in and um, checking us out online and on social media. Like I said, WTOC.com slash sports. You can follow me on Twitter at LG on TV or at WTOC sports. Um, my Facebook is at L golf, G O U G H at W or at L golf WTOC. So um, make sure you're following along and you don't want to miss any of the action. Thanks for downloading and listening and uh, we'll see you soon.